I mean, he's been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, 8-Bits Interview Podcast, powered by Audio Technica. I'm your host, John Peck, aka the writer and sound designer of Trigger Witch, which is out now. This is the game I've been working on for the past 18 months. So it's awesome to have it finally out there, and we're here to talk all about it today. We've got the entire development team, all three founding members of Rainbite over in New Zealand joining us. And long-time listeners might remember a couple of them from an episode we did in 2018, talking about their first game, Reverie. But right now we're joined by three guests for the first time in putting in work history. We've got questions from our audience. We've got questions from supporters. We're going to have a just general chat about the development and release of Trigger Witch. So here we go. Joining me, we have Tom Butler, the world designer. How are you doing, Tom? Hey, bud. I'm doing good. That's good. Jared Trail, lead programmer. Hello. He's not. He's nodding. <laughs> and uh, Dan Airy, the director of Rainbite. How is everybody? We're all together for the first time since you brought me on the project. Is that true? Yeah, well. That is true, yeah. <laughs> Has it been that long? <laughs> it is true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like, I've mostly just been talking with uh, Jared, but um, he's been a great conduit to you guys. But yeah, it's, um, I know that Dan's been on a podcast talking about the game, but I haven't heard you other guys, so it'll be good to hear everyone's thoughts. How's everyone feeling about, uh, what, what, two weeks out from release now? Yeah, just about, just about two weeks. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I can speak for myself. I'm feeling pretty good about how things are going. Yeah, been, been pretty happy overall with, uh, yeah, just sort of all facets, you know, critical and commercial, of course. So yeah, nuts. No, it's good. Let's have a, let's have another good two weeks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Jared, you've been working too hard on patches to feel good or relax. I feel like I'm feeling better now. Um, yeah, the obviously doing the patches and stuff was stressful as well but uh, we've got as far as i know we've got most of what we need to get fixed urgently done now and so it's all out there and we just got the final one confirmed today actually very good and and butler what's happening over in your world not too much i'm feeling pretty good though uh backing up dan's statement feeling pretty proud of what we've done proud of the boys (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) you can see the divide between who has to handle most of the patchwork and Mm. who doesn't have to handle most of the patchwork (laughs) (laughs) and who's feeling good or not (laughs) shout out to jared though good god what a legend yeah i'll take it so we'll get into some of the questions that have been submitted so far the first one comes from rob and he says reverie was a fantastic game that laid the foundation for rainbite as a studio to keep an eye on Developers always looking to build upon and improve each game. So how does the team feel Trigger, which is a step up forward from Reverie? I think almost across the board, you could probably say it's a, it's a step up. Um, yeah, with Reverie, I guess that was our first project together, uh, first commercial project together, and we're really just kind of nailing down the process um, and how we actually, you know, get a game onto you know a console right like playstation vita was our mm-hmm. was the first one we launched on with reverie and then followed it up with playstation 4 and yeah it's just yeah it's one of those things you just don't exactly know you know what to do until you cross the bridge and so yeah i feel like it's just in the sound department graphics story i think across the board it's um it's a real step up from reverie uh, I, I would say in like every, in every regard we tried to make everything better which is kind of why it took a bit longer as well but it's like especially with programming like every part of what we did in terms of like dialogue 
stuff like the dialogue box and like enemy AI and uh, world was the world is like way bigger and just like everything that we did we tried to make like more varied bigger better generally as well hopefully yeah the world being bigger is, <laughs> yeah. is an understatement i think i think we figured out that you can fit the entirety of reveries map into like maybe two of the overworld scenes of trigger witch it might have been like two by two like four oh, times yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or, or six or something like that that was something something crazy like like that yeah trigger witch is like the world of trigger witch is at least double yeah that's pretty wild. at least double if not like two and a half or three times the size of bravery which is wild there's a lot more pixels oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> even that mini map that sorry the um the overworld map that you can sort of pull up anytime is i think something like three hundred and sixty thousand pixels mm. yeah that took a long time uh, i have yeah i have <laughs> i don't have any um i guess baseline for how big that is but it sounds pretty big it's a big number yeah it's a big number man yeah trust me yeah (laughs) and i know like originally there's even like interviews i think butler did an interview early on that said aiming for like a 2020 release so what was the was it just a gradual like wow this game's bigger than we thought or did you set out to make it in every way more than what referee was we're a bit ambitious going for 2020 (laughs) (laughs) um i think the initial launch trailer that's still up I think on the PlayStation YouTube channel says Q4 2020, maybe. Mm-hmm, and probably. Yeah, that was very very ambitious. The game was a lot a lot bigger, uh, and there was a lot more work that went into it. And also, you know, the whole pandemic in the middle of all that put a bit of a halt on on things. Well, not really for us, but mm-hmm. enough. En- it was enough of a of a hindrance that uh, yeah slowed it slowed down some of the work. I moved countries twice as well, which really doesn't help. There's another que- uh, another part to this question, and it's a bit self-indulgent, but uh, it says, how does the team feel, Trigger Witch? Um, sorry, it says, how do you feel, Jono? You also contributed to that by coming on board to write. I've talked so much about my work on this game already, so I'm interested in what you guys feel and and let's broaden it out a bit more beyond just like myself because there was a lot of other people contributing on art and music and and everything like that so how do you guys feel expanding your team with with contracting helped make this into more than what reverie was well less stuff to worry about (laughs) um yeah if you have good people contributing then um yeah it just means that you can really focus on on um you know your part so um yeah we could just really really focus on each of our respective roles to to quite an extent without having to worry about something that i i hope it's fair to say none of us are particularly good at uh, writing you know, apart from yourself john i'm just referring to the three of us <laughs> you can read reverie and find out yeah look at the reverie script yeah. it's it's not particularly long it's just full of new zealand memes yeah yeah that we just kind of <laughs> like it was like game first and then just kind of like all right we got to write a script to tie this together like in some vaguely logical way um and, and it kind of worked out but it wasn't going to cut it this time for trigger which where you know we we had to go above and beyond couldn't just phone it in and um yeah that's where you come in right <laughs> I, I remember like when i was talking to jared about potentially doing like some sound effects some of, i think think one of the big motivations for you guys to say yes was that it just meant you guys didn't have to do it which was great for me because i was really keen um but 
that that's something I think where you you had sound effects in Reverie, obviously, but the pretty much everything that that would make a noise does make a noise in this game, which from what I remember would be quite a bigger library of sounds compared to the first game, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I did the sound effects for Reverie, and um, yeah, it was pretty. It was a little bit bare bones. I made a lot of them in that free software BFXR. Um, but then okay. for Trigger Witch, we did actually have a, com- uh, a commercial sound library, which some of the game, some of the sound effects in the game are still uh, from that library. But it, yeah, it wasn't going to cut it for the for the whole game and some of the more like particular sounds that we needed. I think there were some gunshots yeah. that were pretty good. But, John, yeah. I used a lot of it to to mix up and stuff to make a lot of the sounds. Yeah, there was definitely like I used that library to mess around with especially the magic sounds combining them with different things or slowing them down speeding them up so it was really handy to have that as a as a resource for sure uh, there's another question here from our, our friend robert uh, nindy no sorry not rob jeff i think at nindy nation who says he wanted to know coming off reverie where did the premise of trigger witch come from and how did the experience of reverie shape the creation of this game I think like the, the the vague concept of like witches with guns, I'd already kind of thought of that idea for like a horizontal like shoot 'em up, like an arcade style shoot 'em up, like R type or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, except you're you're a witch flying on a broomstick. Um, but then it was like, well, we already kind of have certain design patterns and like a pipeline down. Like we know how to make a game which has that Zelda structure with the overworld and dungeons and puzzles and combat. Um, so it might be cool to combine those together. Um, Cause I don't think that many, I don't think there's that many games knocking around with like the twin stick gameplay um, combined with, you know, the Zelda style overworld, the long form adventure. Hmm. Uh, so that was, that seemed kind of like a, you know, it's unique, but also kind of natural uh, in a way. I think we were particularly looking at ways to step up uh, combat from reverie, which was, uh, pretty simplistic and that was one of the main criticisms that people had of it the combat doesn't really evolve too much over the course of the game um, so it seemed like a good opportunity and then yeah I just thought of yeah if you've played the game finished the game you know sort of wh- where it goes and where it ends up and yeah i kind of just thought of that in the shower right the, some of those story beats <laughs> washing my hair i just thought hey that would be funny so, i remember we we're all, all sitting around sitting around the table and daniel just goes what if this thing big major story beat and jared and i just like shook our heads and was like i guess why not <laughs> <laughs> we we're like prob- probably not we'll think yeah. of something else and then we did yeah. so we'll go into full spoilers <laughs> later on in the podcast to talk about <clears throat> some of those things and the way that they came about but um yeah it is it is interesting that the shower seems to be the most inspirational place that there is sometimes yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and thank God no one thought of something else. <laughs> so, and 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 I got to keep that. <laughs> and what about the like the actual name Trigger Witch? Like, what was the the were there other suggested names or, or ideas that didn't make it? I yeah, actually the had a little bit. The initial idea right? from Sorry? Daniel was Glock Witches, right, or something like that. And then, um, yeah, I have I've got that written down from a yeah, 2018 yeah, yeah. But Word then document. I, I think after. Yes. We talked about this this kind of story and how the game play was going to be. We kind of landed on Trigger Witch after not, not that much discussion, and then we were like, we might come back and revisit the name later, and we just never did. 
yeah bullet which was in there but but um i did a google and that is a sort of late 2000s xbox 360 game you know pretty different and so yeah that was clearly taken yeah i mean trigger which has been the name since we like since we started making it like the project repository where you put all the game and the code and everything is called trigger witch as well right so it's definitely been there for ages <laughs> very cool very cool all right and there's another question here from chris peralta who says for the whole team even though 2020 was a strange year what was a great memory from 2020 so i guess in relation to working on trigger witch and uh you know th- we had like I guess the reveal was the year prior, right? The big, the first initial uh, yeah. show, yeah. So through yeah, so that we year, the game at Tokyo Game Show, yeah, in in twenty nineteen, a pretty early version, and yeah. Um, yeah, it changed a lot since then, definitely in, in a lot of ways. But I think mm-hmm. the nuts and bolts of it was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, twenty twenty was, yeah. yeah, almost a blur. I think like most people you know everyone here and most people at home can, can agree it was a bit of a blur um, there's kind of like the first two or three months and then it's like yeah, yeah just all it yeah. all melds together but um yeah, for, for myself definitely moving back to new zealand from overseas you know seeing family seeing friends again yeah. was really good and kind of reinvigorated me to yeah really push hard on trigger witch and um apart from that you know i think i think late maybe mid to late 2020 was one of the crunch crunch periods for my section of the game doing a lot of the pixel art so yeah definitely a lot of 2 a.m 3 a.m nights mm, right um, and i yeah <laughs> i think for jared that was more 2021 maybe. bad daniel <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds about right from at least my discussions with jared it's funny because being like the contractor and having the story to write it was so easy for me to pump it out and then hand it off and then it was like come on boys what are you guys doing Classic. Like, especially <laughs> and then especially I've read the story now get me back yeah <laughs> now let me see what it looks like i spent so long wondering like are the goblins mm-hmm. gonna be green or you know <laughs> just random yeah. questions like that in my head and it was it was so cool to see it take shape slowly um Jared, did, was there a highlight of last year for you as far as your time working on the game? Oh, of the development, it's like it's like interesting. I guess um, I don't know if I'd have a highlight of like necessarily working on something in particular, but I guess like having it come together because yeah, it was a while where I felt like we'd kind of have a lot. We had a lot of the game mechanically and design-wise kind of done. It was just making it look nice like 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 filling mm-hmm. it all out and making sure everything was in and it felt like for for a while we had like the the bones of every dungeon was done and like the overworld was like kind of planned and all that but just seeing it all finally come together especially that north side was like a while until it was really <laughs> like decorated and like building stuff around um, mm. it's it, i think it's i guess that's the overall best thing yeah i remember you telling me like okay i've, I've just put in all the cutscenes, so now the game is like technically a game like playable from start to finish yeah that was definitely time consuming yeah. <laughs> a point where i was just like setting up all these because we have so many more cutscenes. they're way more in depth than the the reverie ones and so like doing that was that was like a week or more of me mm. just setting those up yeah there is, but was there uh, anything for you that comes to mind there was a time kind of late late in, in 2020 like maybe november december where the light at the end of the tunnel finally started shining through and it was like we can actually see like that we can see it we can almost see the release 
and that was probably the most one of the most exciting times because there's mm. I found with Reverie 2 although it was a shorter life uh, like game development cycle there's still that chunk of time in the middle that you just can't you can't, you can't really see anything else in your future aside from doing what mm. you're currently doing and it just kind of feels a bit draining for a while but then as soon as you hit that sweet point it's like oh I've finished I don't know for me it was I'd finished uh, at least building out the world um, there was just a decoration on like the overall, or the top side I think which had to go and I was like I can see I can see it I just need to finish these like four scenes or whatever it was um, and I'll be done and that was like well, I'll be done with this part you know not done done but I'll be done with like the world and that's yeah yeah <laughs> it's like you're further you're far you're like far enough away from the beginning yeah. of the game where you're like no longer high on like your own creative fumes but too far away from mm. the end to be um yeah, yeah. looking like you were, uh, looking like you're gonna cross the cross the finish line and i think around november uh november last year or maybe october there was a build that i remember playing and i think a bunch of those intro cut scenes were in and they were like pretty polished you know and all the all the art was there the world of those areas were built out and it was maybe the first first third or first half of the game but like you could play through that kind of basically almost as you could play through it now obviously there's a bunch of change a couple of changes and bug fixes and everything but largely it was there and that was when i think that was pretty exciting that was quite a highlight um yeah that's cool so from that point where you could see the end was coming did you think that it could still be like another what ended up being maybe like seven yeah. months of development before release or was it was that like uh, I think that a real test of patience like, i can and, see and that kind the of end kind of for for me like in my like actual in-game work there's still obviously all social media and stuff to handle but there's like the in-game majority of the in-game stuff will be done in like i can't remember it was like three or four months um and i was not expecting the game to release in that time because i know that's not how that happens um but yeah, it was mm-hmm. yeah, it was just exciting being like, cool, we've got at least four months to go until the world is done, and then and I know that in that time there's others will also be working on, yeah. on stuff, and so we'll be even closer than what I can foresee, which is great. But yeah, it was hard to predict the release date for sure. Yeah, for me it was like the as the outsider, it was very much like like not yeah. actually thinking this but being like what's taking so long like why what's happening like where are we because i knew i knew that jared was like doing ports for like testing it on switch testing it on xbox waiting for a dev kit whatever it might be mm-hmm. so i did understand that but the part of me that just wanted it to hurry up and come out was just like why like what what's the deal so it's been a really interesting learning process of just how long these things take and then when you're working with a publisher yep. and you're working with you know certification and these different platforms that uh, just everything takes time yeah. and i i guess i knew that but just experiencing it was was eye-opening it's i i felt like this maybe you just forget i guess but but it did feel like i thought we would be closer than we were when we got to the end because it, it felt like end of last year it was pretty much done like it was like mostly done there like there was art missing and there was bugs to be fixed or slight design things to change that kind of stuff and we did we did add stuff like we constantly added stuff pretty much up until like a couple months ago probably you know we added just like little things throughout the game i mean i think what even like the um the pets that we added super late that you can pet in the town 
Yeah. And like that was even like two the, weeks um, before submission, I believe. Those <laughs> yeah, it was, it was some of that stuff. Just because you like we can, I guess we just added like little things. But um, it really did feel like we were. Su- I thought we were really close. Like I thought we were going to release in like March or something. I thought we'd easily be done by then. <laughs> but just so much stuff. The game just being so much bigger, I think. Um, and just so many more things that can go wrong, and yeah, the porting process as well, and having trouble with that in most platforms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not over quite yet, but uh, soon, soon, Jared. It is pretty much over. I feel. I feel like. If, I oh, mean, there's maybe some bugs that we might have to do. Maybe one more patch if we can collate them all, and I have time. I was. I was more thinking about like the ports, like PS5, and you know. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. I'm doing Daniel's that one. Do that. Okay. <laughs> Fun for you. Uh, there's a question here from Valomek on Discord who says. He wants to know what gave you the idea for the setting and art style. So you kind of touched on that, Dan, as far as, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, a, a witch with uh, with guns. But uh, what, was there anything in particular, like, was it Zelda? That's the comparison that's often made. Was it like a Zelda with guns, as, as everyone likes to say, that was in your head? And as far as the art style, I guess that's a continuation of the style that you developed for Reverie, right? Yeah, I think um, in terms of the art style, I want to step away from that kind of, you know, firmly earthbound style. Um, You're easily identifiable as that, which we had with Reverie. And I think I was more confident as Mm -hmm. a pixel artist um, to kind of do my own thing like a little bit more. Um, Obviously, there's still pretty clear references and you can't really make that kind of Zelda style gameplay without some people making comparisons. Mm -hmm. But yeah, overall, I think, you know, the main character, like the characters and, and everything, you wouldn't look at it and just be like, oh, you know, it looks like X game or Y game, like straight away almost. Um, in terms of the setting, I'm trying to think back because it was probably around 2018 that it, it kind of was dreamt up, but I just thought it was like an interesting combination of like kind of like a fairy tale, you know, which is... Um, that kind of setting but then you combine it you have that contrast with like the ultra violence and mm. and the uh kind of the harshness of like you know gun you know gun metal so to speak um yeah i just thought it was like a really funny contrast i kind of like i like games that are like a little bit outrageous you know kind of maybe like shock you a little bit or surprise you it's not quite what you think it would be it, it's interesting to me because it's this fantasy world but you have almost like steampunk style creeping in there where for example you've got this factory that's very industrial revolutiony kind of period with you know fans and conveyor belts and that kind of thing so was that just trying to carry on with that theme of guns and you're thinking like maybe the guns have advanced the technology of these people or was it just you thought it would be a fun thing to throw in there with that that contrast because I, I was going to say before the contrast of the violence and the cuteness is something that the audience really seemed to respond to, especially from, you know, that trailer that came out earlier this year. Yeah. Positively and negative. There's been a few people who just wanted that cuteness, you know, uh-huh. they just wanted to keep that, that theme going the that's whole what, way that's through. What the pinata they can just do pinata <laughs> Exactly. Candy mode. Um, in terms of like, you know, the ind- more industrial side of it, I think part of it is visual variety. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of fantasy, action adventures you you do end up in you know you got the water based temple you've got the sandy desert you've got all this you know everything is pretty much in the same mold 
Um, and I think, yeah, sort of part of like like as part of the law, mm. which obviously you sort of ha- you you uh, basically did cemented, was yeah. <laughs> yeah cemented. That's a good word. Um, you know, firearms had been around for like decades, if not like over a hundred years, for the witches, and so it kind of seemed like a logical conclusion that they would you know investigate that technology and maybe like use some of it to build out you know buildings and you know their their local environment. Mm. With, with some of those with some of those um things but obviously you can only get so much mechanical knowledge from from guns uh, so yeah it wasn't you know it's not like a cyberpunk sort of no, situation yeah. i do think in terms of that visual variety thing that was uh, i guess the forefront for us obviously because we, we had des- we had designed ideas for a lot of the dungeons before we'd gotten you to do the story necessarily so we, we already kind of had the idea of what we wanted and you had to make mm. it work but um one of those things being that even the north side was gonna be a desert but like daniel said i guess like you know zelda games they have like the sandy desert area so we were like well let's make it like a wild west type vibe instead so it's like different sure. at least just feels kind yeah. of different yeah and we, yep. we kept we kept that um visual variety sort of ethos throughout most things we did um especially the all the different areas like we've got the the forest area but that's like it's a gem forest it's that's made there's like big gems sticking out of the ground they're all reflective and they're all very colorful and that was uh quite an important thing that we tried to, to keep every area it was very distinct in their in their colors and their design yeah just i think the only place that we played it straight was the ice yes. prison yeah. that's just classic yeah <laughs> the ice prison a bit different the, though the, pr- the prison was a bit different in the fact that it's a prison it's not just like it's yeah. a castle on a hill and it's it's a tall hill so there's no on it like yeah there's a little bit of, of all that. Yeah, just like go to your library, just go to the fantasy section, yeah. pick a book, page 200, there's yeah. an ice mountain yeah. there. I do actually really like one little tidbit about the ice prison, and there's one piece of dialogue where it says something about pipes bursting, and which yeah. is why everything's frozen over, and I was like, hang on a minute. So there's this ice prison that is obviously very old, had plumbing before anyone else yeah. in this world. <laughs> in this world. I love it. So so advanced. They, 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 got, they got nice things, you know. You got to keep the uh, sewage, you know, pumping out of yeah. that prison down down the mountain. Down the mountain, yeah, exactly. Down into Nuxvar, yeah. probably. Um, Onto the goblin side, of course. Yeah, that was that was a, a line that I threw in there because I was like, originally it was like, who builds a prison of ice? This is ridiculous. Yeah. But then I was yeah. like, well, maybe yeah. I can make it so that it wasn't always an ice prison. It's just become very icy since it was neglected and abandoned yeah and i, I, Good job. I love it well done Good job. you figured it thank out thank you for <laughs> making it make sense um i have a question while we're talking about art um something that i've noticed in a couple of reviews is the uh entrance to the ice prison that looks like someone's flipping off the player do you have any comment about this dan is that intentional is it accidental <laughs> uh it's not but i haven't i did actually think that myself i just thought i wonder if anyone's gonna spot this and i just left it nice okay the the one thing i will point out that daniel definitely did on purpose is he gave the shield guys little butts oh i haven't noticed the the gym shield Uh, only the the, only the gym ones that bounce the bullets if you can if you can get them onto if you go above them and and look behind them they have these little butt cheeks and uh i haven't seen anyone talk about it Mm -hmm. yet but they're there. And Are these so, the ones that look like kind of okay. turtles with with gems? No, no, the, the shield oh, shield guys, the shield dudes. Yeah, they're like the multicolored shields. They're only oh, in the gym, okay. the gym mines, and the gym forest. And, I have to go uh, back yeah, and check that a, out. If you have a close look, you can see little, yeah, little 
pixelated <laughs> buttocks. Got to wait for some uh, cosplay or fan art, some deviant art of, of those guys. Oh, no. <laughs> the shit. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. And the, the cyborg, I want to ask about the cyborg dragon too, because I, you know, had scripted out that scene, that interaction really carefully. And then uh, Jared's like, by the way, the dragon's going to be like kind of robotic or he's going to have like Terminator style, you know, look about him. And I was like, okay, that <laughs> changes a lot of things. Um, where, where did that idea come from? And uh, how smart is this dragon that he's just learning from watching the the factory from from the skies man he's pretty smart it's a pretty smart dragon um i think yeah part of it was trying to move away from just like classic you know our oh, second boss of the game is just a dragon yep. and you're flying around and he shoots fire at you and you just gotta kill him um and so i think yeah i was trying to move a little bit away from that and um it, it sort of ties into the setting you know with that that particular dungeon mm-hmm. the gun factory being more industrial it's kind of like you know maybe the dragon's been injured before or something like that or he's getting he was getting old and just kind of has been augmenting you yeah. know itself <laughs> with with that with this kind of technology that is that has now become part of evertonia it's got great opposable yeah. thumbs you know you can pick things <laughs> up and you know, do stuff it's great i like it yeah yeah exactly it's cool i, I enjoyed like because I, I, I went into this and I, I, I felt like I knew what was going to happen and and write these scenes like the dragon interaction and everything and then I get thrown a bone like now now the dragon's half robot and I have to kind of in my head try and think of a way to make it work so it was a good like writing exercise for me at least got to keep you on your toes to be honest uh, that was say- actually that, that was the plan yeah. actually I was just <laughs> trying to mess with you I was just like <laughs> I was just like yeah, I get on a call with Jared. Uh, oh, you know, how can we like mess with Jono today? All right, the dragon, he's going to be half cycle. Deal, deal with that from a story perspective. <laughs> I, I was going to say that the um, one element that is even like a curveball, I guess, in terms of the whole story was like, we planned all these dungeons and we'd done them all and then we're like, the overworld feels a bit empty between dungeons. So we'll add in like pre-dungeon quest things, mm-hmm. which I, I, it was an iteration and a complication on the story. We're like, okay, now we're going to have a reason why you're doing something before these each of these dungeons, which I'm pretty sure at that point we hadn't even made the dragon as the boss. It was going to be whatever it was going to be. And then it ended up being have, a, have the cave and then have all this stuff, you know? Yeah, I think it was <laughs> like, I, I think it was the dragon, but it was like you just walked straight into the, the factory and, and it ended up being you have to go and explore the den and then go in there just to it kind of a, almost a fetch quest kind of thing yeah next question comes from twitter user at uh well his username's bright sky uh he says here's a question i know the title is trigger witch and witches are females in general but will you be adding a male character for dlc or next installment so we, we can maybe save the dlc or next installment part for a, a later question i've got but um i guess the yeah the idea to to make the character specifically a witch and therefore a woman in this instance or or a young woman in Colette what was the idea there did you ever think about wizards was it just trying to do something a bit different than what you've done with Reverie by having a female protagonist how much thought went into that because by the time I came along to write the story a lot of those key characters were already created there was a little bit of thought put into it um in the sense i think i remember what the conversation was or how it started but we somehow came around to just what if there were just no men in this town 
Um, and we stuck to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we had some weird half-baked story idea where it was like the witches have become so optimized that it's just like... Like, I think they just like had had kids basically via magic right. and it's yeah. just like the wizards died out or something like that. You only needed the witch. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we have a canon reason, but there was like that. And then once we made the miners, it's like, well, the miners are there. It's like, yeah, well, but I don't know. Just, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I did hint at that. Gets pretty lonely down there in the mines, eh? But yeah, there's a hint in there's a hint in the NPC dialogue that suggests that. Oh, well, actually, it's the notice board. I don't know if you noticed, but like if you read it in the end game, there's a sign that says no fraternizing with the miners while they're doing their like induction to the mine. So people can can read between the lines, you know. If if a if, if a son is born, he <laughs> gets to go off and become a miner. And if if they're a woman, they get to stay in Osrin. That's mine. No. It definitely it definitely wasn't thought through that much as we initially did it. But I think I think part of it is also just a variety and just different for us as well. Like yeah, it's like. And just having the idea of obviously being witches is like a certain style mm-hmm. to it, and we were like, we can just have all the main characters be female and everything, and it would, it would just be cool. they're a bit cuter different. too than wizards. I think it contrasts a bit more. That we're really like Trigger Witch is really about play, playing up those contrasts, and when you have like that hyper violence with guns, like you normally, you know, for for I guess like muscly, historical reasons, or um, yeah, historical reasons, or. Um, yeah you know militaristic reasons we kind of join like firearms with like men more so than we would with women and so i guess it just plays up the contrast even yep. more um to have that female protagonist um and also witches are you know more marketable witches are hot and like <laughs> wizards aren't that hot it's like like gandalf like bro like, okay. So I, I, I would beast, say we got Hob. Like, he's not Hob. hot <laughs> hob's pretty hot though. hot boy hob yeah. hob's hot but he's not a wizard Hob's a sexy goblin boy. So. Hob's got a bit of um, like uh, K-pop boy band kind of look about him. Yeah, we stand Hob. Hob. Yeah, yeah. I have to ask my wife about that one. <laughs> I think I need to do some looking through internet history. Cool. I've got a question here from Drew Agnew, host of the House of Mario podcast. He says the two games the team has made have both involved dungeons and puzzle mechanics to progress. What inspired you to? Th- to make these kind of games and if you were to tackle another genre for a next game what would that be well no one's people aren't making enough zelda likes <laughs> at least at the time that we made reverie <laughs> um yeah that was that was the roguelike years mm-hmm. right like kind of 2016 it still is to be honest <laughs> it still is like everyone and their mums is making a roguelike right so i guess like taking the other side of that coin where everything is specifically designed kind of hand designed um you know no permadeath i think we just preferred the linear experience as well and like crafting something you play through once and it's just kind of like this complete experience and i, I and to be honest when we when we first made reverie and i I'd hardly played any zelda games i think i only played like the 3ds ones which are nothing like the the normal ones most people would like um but I, I, in my opinion whenever i talk to people about us i feel like a zelda game has similar progression to something like a metroidvania where a lot of times you know you're collecting items and it locks off progression and you find secrets in a world like they have a lot of similarities and i think that is a popular genre but in the zelda like perspective top down is maybe not as common yeah that's that's true i think that um the the aspect of those zelda games is growing your inventory with items that unlock new abilities that make areas 
accessible, which is a, a kind of a, a Metroid-like uh, attribute. I guess that the difference would be like the fact that it's yeah, like you said, the top-down perspective and not so. We did do that less or kind of where in, in Trigger Witch, it's like there is some choice in which dungeon you want mm. to do, but with the items you get aren't what progress you. It's like doing the dungeons essentially just does. Yeah, so there's nothing know. really apart from the visual style and the fact that there are dungeons with bosses that makes this as like a Zelda style game to me, at least. It's way like the way that at least I approached it from a writing perspective was way more like an RPG. And I have noticed that in a lot of uh, comments that people have made like on Twitter or in YouTube comments and that kind of thing, like people saying this is basically an RPG mm-hmm. and I'd take that as a compliment. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like there's not many Zelda games where you, you know, upgrade your equipment, mm-hmm. you know, statistically to the same extent that you do in Trigger Witch, you know, like nine weapons uh, upgrading, you know, four different statistics on each, right? Like I, don't, I can't, I've played most of the Zelda games and I, I don't think there's many situations. You might get like one upgrade, like obviously in something like Ocarina of Time. Just get a better sword yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, you get like the Master Sword, and that's like obviously a big upgrade from, um, you know, Young Link's sword, um, which you get, you know, you, you obviously upgrade in the Temple of Time, and that's a big story moment, but it's not really like an RPG where, you know, you get, you might get equipment from like a loot drop or from a boss fight or something like that. Yeah, I think one way that would have made it way more like those Zelda games would be if there were environmental puzzles that you had to use specific weapons for and obviously you had like that mechanic in the ice prison but then you never again had to use your flamethrower to get through a certain area and that we had uh, areas blocked off for story reasons more than anything else yeah pretty much okay um next question is one from our friend brendan over at 8-bit the hungry gamers and he wants to know uh you know i mentioned dlc before when can we expect some Trigger Witch DLC with some love given to the casino? Poker machines and blackjack are a That's must. Right. <laughs> Either that or rename the casino <laughs> to the arcade and lean further into the game's aspect. As teasing us all with non-playable pokies is soul-crushing. Yeah, so slots and blackjack were cut. I didn't want yeah, to do I, it more, I, told right? him that. I said we pick one game and I, and I do something that's like easier like physics based not having to like do a whole set of rules because we, we yeah we, we were gonna maybe do like if you make something like texas hold'em or whatever in a game someone can just play a better version of that somewhere else so we want to make our own stuff especially if you play like red dead <laughs> even though like you know that's not what the game's about you can just go play it there and it's better than what we're gonna make you know the other issue is that as as soon as you have like simulated gambling like something that is actually like, you know, you can walk into a casino and you can play blackjack and, and slot machines, right? And as soon as you have that, like a simulated kind of real-life gambling experience in your game, the uh, European rating agency, Peggy, they will basically 18-plus <laughs> your game straight away, uh, almost straight away. Or it'll, it'll I, did, re- I did tell Brendan that as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll receive a much higher rating. And that has, like, a lot of knock-on effects, so not only do you get less sales, you know, like from people, you know, maybe like younger people who's, who have like an account, which is, um, you know, parental restricted, mm-hmm. but also you, uh, it's a lot more expensive to release in Australia and New Zealand. Whereas if you're under a certain European game rating, 
you, you get automatic rating certificates. Sure. Uh, so, so, yes. so the Pachinko machines don't count as gambling then? Is that what you're telling me? No, it's, it is skill-based. It's a skill-based mm. game. And it's not exactly Pachinko. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we modified it so that there is more like player interaction with it because we didn't want it to be completely luck based because if, if you yeah if you do slot machines or something it's not very fun no, either i hate I slot think. machines in games <laughs> yeah no i think you made the right choice definitely uh and so in terms of you know we've just had two questions that involve either dlc or a sequel or the next game so is this something that you've entertained the thought of at all and even if you know you're not planning to, to do any, what would be the ideas that you have out of curiosity? I don't know if we want to say it. I mean, it depends if we want to... We, we have ideas for other things we'd wanted to possibly mm-hmm. do, but um, where we are right now, it's like we have other jobs that we... that mean that we, we wouldn't do anything... There's nothing actively being created right now, but at some point, maybe, but who knows? <laughs> at the moment, the current plans are uh, get the PS5 native version out and... Um, and... Uh, PC and Mac ports for the existing game, but after that point, there's yeah, I pretty much come out and say there's no DLC planned and there's no sequel <laughs> planned at the moment. That makes perfect sense, yeah. so, and uh, it's the smart answer. It's it's unfortunate, but uh, I, it's it's, it's a, a boring answer though. So tell me, like, make something up right now. What's like a bad idea for for DLC or a sequel? You play as Hulk. It's a dating sim. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah visual novel it's like a visual yeah now you play as like a matchmaker you're you're like a matchmaking agency between the witches and Mm. goblins either that or it's like valhalla and you run like a you run like a tavern and you know you've got to you've got to come in or people come in and you know talk about their woes and all this sort of stuff and you've got to like link link people up together you've got to get witches with goblins and what you know the, the dwarven miners are coming in so yeah, <laughs> that, that's our that's our terrible sequel idea <laughs> we, we, we definitely have we had some thoughts of like because i, I feel like because the story is more in depth we did have points to the story where it's like oh you could have a sequel or you could have like a game that you play as certain characters in in a certain mm-hmm. gap that i won't mention um but then yeah, I mean, we have ideas for other games, we'll, we'll, but I don't think we'll mention it because otherwise people might steal the ideas and we might want to do it later. That makes sense. Here's a question that I came up with. If you could go back to like the fundamental stages of development for Trigger Witch, is there anything that you'd want to change? No, but I would get our production system in quicker. We didn't start using any sort of task tracking software until like maybe seven or eight months in, I'd like to say. Maybe even a year. Maybe I think we're using like Google Docs to just track our own tasks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. not great. Yeah. Apart from that, nothing. I, I don't think too much would change. It's yeah. kind of, you know, it's kind of kind of reached the the vision that we had you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. But at least you know, in my mind, when I imagined what the game, the final product would look like, it, it pretty much matches up. I think. Yeah, I, I do think we we pretty much got to what we thought we could do, like realistically with the limits what we had, especially having made something before. It's you know we kind of knew we could get and i i would say we even maybe did better than what i thought we would do at that point i guess at that point we'd just done what we had done with reverie and so getting to where we are definitely feels like we improved as we went and even though it took a long time over that time you learn so much and add so much to it that it's better than yeah absolutely um i was gonna ask like in terms of the the game like it's I've, I've said this in multiple places before, but I'm like so happy with it that 
as much as I love reading reviews and seeing what people think, the, the negative reviews don't really bother me so much most of the time because I'm so content with what the final product is. It sounds like you guys are in that type of sp- headspace as well. But what's it been like seeing people react to the game, make content for the game, review it, tweet out pictures and, and screenshots that uh, that they find enjoyable throughout the the experience what's it been like seeing the game in people's hands pretty awesome i think um i think the guys would you know definitely agree as well but yeah, yeah seeing people play it after so long and and for the most part really enjoy it um yeah i think there is that tendency where it's like you, you take negative feedback much much harsher than you do all the positive feedback uh but we've had a bit of practice with that the first time around with reverie and so yeah you can it's easier to look a little bit big, big picture and yeah, just be really, really grateful for, you know, each individual who plays the game and just, you know, lets us know how much they like it. Um, and yeah, at the same time, like you said, you know, the negative, any, any people that don't like it, you know, that's fine. Right. That's just, that's just taste. There's, there's games out there that are nine out of 10 or, you know, games that I think are really, or I know are really good, but I just, I just don't click with them. And so there are people that just won't click with trigger, which is just not their cup of tea. And yeah, that's, that's totally fine. But overall, you know, the Twitch streams and, and the comments on Twitter and, you know, all the, the fun surprises and stuff. It's, it's definitely rewarding. The the Taiwanese streamers. Part of why you, yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I had a big Taiwanese streamer play the game recently in the past few days. And you know, all of us, all of a sudden, yeah, interest is shooting up in Taiwan, you know, of all places, which is it's, which is cool. It's, it's little things like that, which I think are the the cherry on top. Brilliant. What about you guys? I mean, I'm I've, I'm sure I'm out of us the person who's looked the least <laughs> for things, but I've definitely seen some of the quotes and you know, and some of the reviews I did look into, especially the ones that are nicer. You know, those are the best ones <laughs> to look at. Um, but I think it is it is. I guess I don't know. It's, it's been a while, but I guess like it feels like there's a lot more than last time and mostly it's positive like i hardly see anything negative naturally as i come across maybe that's because i just see it through whatever butler does through the rainbow twitter so it's mostly (laughs) good things um but in in terms of that i I think it is there's a lot more there's a lot more nuance to what people like about certain things and some people don't like some stuff but some people are picking out specific things they really like especially more to do with the story obviously because there's a lot more effort put into that and and just people picking out individual things it's quite cool and getting specific emails from people where they really like it or even like messages or whatever Mm. um it is cool seeing all of that and it like enforces that most people think it's good even if some people yeah i think like looking at like just twitter for example it's all from i can tell positive apart from the occasional like i've come across this glitch or something and we have to explain to them what to do or that we're that it's being fixed basically that was definitely stressful, especially when, like, obviously you know it can be fixed and it is being fixed, and it's not their fault because they obviously think they they might think we don't know yeah. about it, which is fair because sometimes we don't know about it, um, and it is good to be told. But uh, it, it definitely makes whenever I get like a Twitter notification, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a good one, <laughs> or like a Discord message that's Jono being like, it's, fun, it's broken. <laughs> yeah, no, it is cool seeing people from all over the world play the game. Which is always hard to tell. Like we'd take the game to like local conventions or or like even like the NZ the New Zealand Game Developers Conference we have at the NZ Showcase at the, at the middle of the week, and it's like cool seeing people play it, uh, but they don't. It's not quite the same as seeing someone on Twitter just like with a screenshot of the game and all the text is in Japanese, 
or in Spanish mm. or something, and it's like, oh yeah, this game is is available to everyone almost, and that's quite quite magic sometimes. It's yeah. also new to those people because I feel like in New Zealand, at least a lot of people already knew about it in terms of game mm-hmm. dev community, and then seeing these people like see some of the reveals, or even just like there's people just uploading videos of like, look how gory it is because yeah. it's just funny because they haven't <laughs> seen it. But for us, we've like seen that for so long that I, it's not like a surprise, but someone that's never seen it it's still cool to them which is good because we thought it would be <laughs> yeah you're, you're totally right like even today i was I, I posted a screenshot of someone that uh, had tweeted out a, a screenshot of the skyrim reference that one of the npcs makes so it's cool to see like a reference yeah. to a game that's understood by another culture because obviously skyrim's popular in every country and there's so many pop culture references in this game that i wonder like how many translate really i'm not sure yeah how many of them people will understand it's not essential that they do like there's there's almost nothing in the game that if you don't know the reference it's going to be weird there's i don't think there's anything like that um maybe the inconceivable with the with the wine that's niche but i like it yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was one of your ideas i I think um but uh yeah it's it has been cool and like translating all the reviews from different languages into english and seeing what trophies are called in different languages it's yeah. it's fascinating yeah, yeah well so the way that translation works typically isn't word for word sometimes like the it's it's not just translation it's localization so it's like the the localization company will take whatever joke you've made and try and fit it and that will into something that would make sense in their yeah language or culture which is especially the puns that's the great great <laughs> bit yeah yeah, that's cool. I heard that the French uh, localizer really yeah. went to town. I I don't speak French, sadly. Really? I'd like to learn, but um, yeah, well, just heard from a few French a few French speakers that yeah, whoever localized whoever localized that um, yeah, really <laughs> kind of <laughs> had a good time with it. You know, had a few wines good. maybe. But... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's good. I like I like to hear that because. Because it's, it's interesting, like reading a review in a foreign language where they mention like the translation, and like you can tell that there's like a gratitude that they can read it in a native language or whatever. And even that Taiwanese um, streamer today, like he was, re- I, I don't was that a Chinese text that they're reading there, or was it the Japanese? Yeah. It would have been Chinese. I yeah, think. so they're reading it in Chinese. But yeah. he was occasionally traditional Chinese. He was occasionally saying something in English. Um, so he obviously could have, I think, could have played the game in English, but he gets to play it in his natural language. And I thought that was that was really cool. Yeah. I have a question that I ask everybody on the podcast, and it's what was the hardest part of getting to where you are now? So I guess we can apply it specifically to Trigger Witch and go around and, and see what's been the hardest part of getting through this development and release. I think it's just kind of like not stopping, you know, like, like a game can be like 95, 99% done, but until it's finished, until it's out, you see basically no benefits uh, from that. You know, you don't get the satisfaction of a finished game. You don't get to see what players think of it. Um, you get no sales, anything like that. I, mean, I suppose there's Steam Early Access, but you know, that's a whole nother, a whole nother ball game. Ball game. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's just keeping at it really. Like there is so much to get through making a game. And I think, you know, even you know games that are like pixel art related maybe people think that they're easier to make that there are some they are easier in some ways but you know games with like you know, t- a 10-hour game with a full story and a whole world to explore like that that takes a long time and i think the most challenging part is probably 
when you're maybe bored of your own concept or something like that you just you do have to stick to it you do have to keep going even if you don't always feel like it mm. um, and even when you get to the parts that you don't want to do um for, for me that was the mole boss like, what, like a year around. and a half until you actually did it yeah yeah, yeah it took a while yeah it took way too long and yeah that was the worst i would say that was the worst um yeah yeah the, the worst um piece of art that i that i did was the or well the worst that I, my least favorite yeah, it you know, turned out good in drawing um and i just actually yeah yeah i wonder if i at some point will ever share what it originally looked like because it was from a whole different perspective the yeah. mole boss fight and then It'll at a certain fun. point i just threw i just this isn't working threw it out and i started the whole boss again and um did it in one night so yeah i will say that Haley really likes the mole boss so you got that going yeah yeah <laughs> what about uh, you butler what's been the, the hardest part getting through it i think the hardest part uh was 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 doing the gun factory uh like setup and decoration decoration mainly that took a very long time because we designed we wanted it to be mm. less maze like uh kind of like the mines are very windy and curvy like tunnels mm-hmm. and the the gun factory is very like a warehouse like just big massive open rooms so so filling those out with decoration pieces and other items to use as like fake walls or, or collision or whatever was a lot and it took a long time and all the pipes um, pipes are a bit more complicated all, all the pipes yeah that could travel across the, the the foreground and stuff uh it just took that that was the bit where i was just like i think it took me two months maybe three to finish that dungeon and it, it was a rough time because <laughs> it was also very gray which is not fun to look at for a very long time yeah that was probably the hardest the hardest part i remember i got through most of the adventure zone while decorating that dungeon I I mean, it's hard to say. I I do think throughout development, most of it, I felt like I paced myself pretty well in terms of never feeling like anything was too overwhelming or too hard. But I think, um, like Daniel, I said before that um, it is hard to see where the end is, but I knew we were making like pretty good progress just going through. But the part that made it the most hard is um, when like Butler got a job and then I got a job thinking we'd have the game done (laughs) and we didn't. And then having to do things at the same time like that's definitely the hardest part because you're you don't get the free time where when we worked throughout most of it i was working like nine to five stopping i'd have so much free time to do stuff and i was like all good (laughs) but then now it's like having to do the stuff in the spare time is so much harder and i i don't know how people do that if they have a normal job and they make games a hobby it sounds well i know it's stressful Mm. (laughs) yeah unless you're like me and it's just like a little bit here and there to chip in but interesting like i'm not going to answer or and i haven't been answering all these questions because i've already done like five podcasts talking about what i've done on the game it's more interesting i think to hear what you guys have to say but i want to go full spoiler mode from here on so if people haven't actually finished the game it's probably a good time to switch off or just pause because you can come back to this when you've completed Uh, i want to know what you guys felt or thought the first time you actually played through the game with the story, or the, I guess the first time you read the story, if, if you did read it before you experienced it with a controller in your hand. And um, what was it like seeing a concept that you had come up with years ago actually like fleshed out 
yeah, I think it's a little bit different. You know, I did read the script, but it's really different when you see it in the game, you know, flowing naturally. Cutscenes. You yeah. know, cutscenes amongst the gameplay. It's it's I think that was really satisfying. I think that was kind of going back to one of the previous questions. I think I said that one of there was a certain build maybe around October October 2020 um where a bunch of that stuff was in and you get you really get the pacing you know and, and a lot of the comedy that's in the script mm. comes out much better when you're in cutscenes. you can see the characters you know their facial expressions are changing they're all running around and everything so i think that was really um that was when i guess i was like this matches the vision of what i imagined um combined with i think this is like i would buy this game if <laughs> you know someone else had made it like this is this is my kind of game that I, I enjoy, you know, personally, it's like to my tastes. Um, and so, yeah, that made me really happy. Yeah. I think I, I can, I can echo that. Yeah. With the, I read the script first and I remember thinking when I read the script, like, cool, these characters are actually characters. They're not like what we had in Reverie, which was just like almost characters. <laughs> like they were, they would look like, like they look like people. They were like one liner people. They but they didn't really have, much, yeah, yeah, none of them really had like major personality. Whereas this, I remember reading just the, the google document script and i was like there's personality here that i can see but then it wasn't until we actually played it and there was like daniel said the character portraits and like the crying or the laughing or whatever like effects we had going on um and i was like wow this is this feels like a real thing and i remember getting through to the end of the game uh, after with i think it was on the ps4 version and i remember finishing it getting through all the dialogue and I just kind of sat there and just looked at the screen, listened to the credits roll and the music, and I was like, this is a good game. And that's not something that I did with Reverie. <laughs> uh, like, I still think Reverie is a good game, but there was no point where I was just like, wow, we did a really cool thing. It was just like, we released the game, yay! Whereas Trigger Witch was like, that was a satisfying experience. And I remember messaging Jono afterwards being like, that was a great story, dude, well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a, there was a moment like that watching that Taiwanese stream as well, like, as the credits roll in and then you can hear him clapping and it's like what, like yeah like even though i can't understand what he's saying yeah it was cool to just be like he's having that moment where the credits roll and he's satisfied the game's come to its conclusion and yeah it is it does feel nice to have things wrapped up in a nice bow yeah. um and jared like i probably worked close close obviously worked closest with you on the story and getting feedback progressively and that kind of thing. So what was it like for you to actually uh, experience it on the screen? Yeah, I, I was going to mention, like, I, I guess how iterative it really was. Because when you gave the initial script, obviously you'd never done a game script before, so it was pretty new. But it's like how much you gave me. And I was like, oh, yeah, this seems pretty good. I'm sure it'll all work out. And then we put it in the game and how many extra cutscenes <laughs> we had to make or extra bits of dialogue we had to do or iteration on oh this doesn't work in this scenario because you hadn't seen what it looked like necessarily because it wasn't made yet so yeah. you were just making I was just story guessing. Of things that didn't <laughs> exist and then and then we were making cutscenes essentially around what you wanted where you'd be like the treasure room should do this thing and i'm like all right i guess we'll put an idol here and we'll and i'm like daniel make this thing and so it's like a lot of like iteration and changing and obviously yeah, i put a lot of the like the text in and the cutscenes and all those emotions and stuff and yeah we talked about like all the different types of like should the text be wavy or not and all that kind of stuff which is so much that goes into just implementing all the text and then also the rest of the game um but <laughs> finally playing through it yeah I, I had the same thought where you play through the game and you're like oh it is actually it does all like kind of fit together and i feel like it, it the the dialogue and the characters 
have way more depth and like they they uh what's the word mm-hmm. like evolve more the characters and they have actual personalities that kind of and opinions and they you know you don't necessarily like everyone or you like these people and it's like it's, it's definitely more satisfying um story overall and it is cool to see it all implemented properly even though i did all the implementing it's it's still cool to see it when it's finally done and like polished yeah up. yeah it's been fun watching like streams and seeing people react to particular characters that they hate or like they they're, they're meant to not like or or whatever it might be or they might find them like annoying yeah. or whatever it is and it's like yeah because i mean it's what you're meant to be we're, we're in full spoil yeah, mode, yeah. Right? i mean not that these are massive spoilers but having like Remy be a boss at a certain uh-huh. point and people i i haven't seen reactions to that necessarily but like you know the idea being like having this main character that is is also a boss where that wasn't even the plan from the beginning necessarily but i think Bali ended up thinking that would be cool mm-hmm. i was like yeah it'd be cool we'll do that and um yeah like we're definitely having a lot more of the characters throughout dungeons was a big thing because reverie had pretty much no npc interaction in a dungeon and we definitely tried to have every single dungeon have some through line of characters that were that made the story more interesting as well yeah i I remember playing through the i guess an early build that was just the tutorial and at that point thinking like this game's fun and it's going to be good and then it wasn't until i could actually play through it and get through and see cutscenes taking place and uh, you know seeing what the game was actually gonna be like it, it wasn't even finished at that point because there was art missing and rooms that you would walk into and the game would crash but um even that it was like i could tell that it was going to be be really cool and the thing that i hadn't experienced until the very first time it was on a the ps4 was the last boss fight because everything everything else had been working in the build that i played except for that so i hadn't seen any of the artwork for the man in black for the rocket ship for the moon for that whole sequence (laughs) and even like just the the russia (laughs) section so it was pretty awesome to see that particularly and i deliberately i guess i could have played a build that had that in there but i wanted my first time on a console to to have something new in it and yeah seeing it work together and seeing this like because because there was so much thought and effort put into the ending and the message of the game and and having like a a lesson or whatever so seeing it all the elements work together hearing the music hearing all the sound design stuff that i put into it and everything just being cohesive like what you guys have said already like that was such a satisfying feeling to like it's a not just like a good game but to me it's a great game and the fact that it's my first ever game that i could work on i just feel so like lucky that it was something that's this good because (laughs) how many people it's all yeah (laughs) it could be (laughs) like how many people could say their first ever game was as polished and and satisfying as as trigger i don't don't (laughs) think many people could say that (laughs) yeah i've got a better strike rate than you guys so far (laughs) um so let's talk about your favorite moments in the game what was it whether it was from reading a script or from playing through the game or maybe it's just a dungeon that you have a special affinity for what's something that you're especially proud of or that you enjoyed just as a a player 
I really like the floating the floating pavilion, mm-hmm. the sky pavilion. I think that yeah, it really comes together. It's you have that moment, you know, you meet Hob, this like real cheeky cheeky character, um, you know, in the second half of the game, and you know, as you enter the dungeon, you come across the bridge and the kind of like the cliffs drop away, and it's just like this massive expanse of like floating islands and debris, um, and I think that's that's mm. pretty cool. Um, the ability to fall off there is quite yeah. cool as well. It adds a, quite a lot of variety in terms of gameplay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the the character interactions are really like it really keep you know it's a bit it's a bit mazy. You know, it can be a little bit of a mazy dungeon, but I think having Hob with those that that kind of character arc as small as as small as it is, just being part of one dungeon. I think it really keeps you going, and then you know, obviously, Hobbs' final final moment that you see him when he's, you know, being squished, you know, by by the rocks that he, yeah, it's just kind of there's something. <laughs> there's that great, really there's nice a great video of that guy. It's like I hated this guy. <laughs> the, the dungeon just wraps up nicely. You know, it's like a it's like a, a present, right? It's just like it, yeah, it's a nice little it's, it's self-contained experience. Yeah, I think my yeah. favorite kind of thing to implement or something that i i wanted to do since reverie actually which we never really did was to do a dungeon-wide puzzle so the russia dungeon unique thing is those power cells which had a lot of bugs and a lot of problems but the ability to bring those power cells across rooms and then unlock different you have to unlock like the doors in a certain order and remember where stuff is i, I kind of always wanted to do a dungeon-wide puzzle and um it's generally harder to do because you have to save stuff between all these different rooms and everything. But I, I do think that is cool. I think people like it. I don't know. I, I can't tell if it's like fun anymore because I know exactly <laughs> what to do. Um, but I, that's probably my favorite part in terms of being able to actually implement something like that. Um, and then I, I do think that dungeon is pretty fun overall. And you have like all your good weapons by that point and everything as well. Bubba. I mean, I'm going to be biased and say my favorite part is the world because of how it all turned out and how it all managed to, to fit together. Not quite easy, but I, uh, well, as a humble, small humble brag, I went way too deep with the world, like building, literally world building, and I like ended up using plate tectonics for a bit to figure out how like mountains had formed and all sort of shit. Anyway, way too much uh, that I did not need to do, but I did it anyway. Um, <laughs> But my, my favorite, I think my favorite part of the, probably the entire game is Shelly, the character and her character, like progression of like, oh, I didn't do very well in the, this like trial gauntlet at the start of the game. So like, I guess I'm going to go be a janitor now. And then she just like, she meets you at the end of the gun factory. She's just mopping up all the mess that you've made. Um, and then you meet her again in the North side and she finds out that she's not just a witch. She's actually got this whole other she's got history uh with her his whole family history there and then at the end of the game you find out that she took the place of the grand receiver um and that whole like progression from janitor <laughs> because she wasn't good enough or wasn't deemed good enough um all the way up to basically like leader yeah. of the town leader of this civilization of these now joined civilizations because of her history and her past was like a really cool cool thing to see i really enjoyed that yeah that worked out pretty well i remember there was an original ending jared i don't know if you recall what it was do you oh, oh what would you mean yeah I, I mean there was there was a few so there's there's a couple that were just ideas and then there was one that we ended up changing so that the ideas were you know i think one of you guys had the idea that you go through the portal 
And then mm. when you come back, there's some kind of Narnia style time jump or, or whatever. Uh, interstellar yeah yeah i remember uh, there was definitely gonna be like right okay and and so we had talked about like would it be like you come out and it's like a cyberpunk kind of cutscene where there's like flying cars and then i had this idea that maybe you come out and it's like a you know a western where there's like um maybe like some really primitive automobiles and people on horses and a saloon but but i guess that's like too close to what we already had it in Nuxla. Yeah. Initially, we didn't have that when we talked about that. I think it was going to be more of just like a desert. Uh, yeah, thing, yeah. But then, yeah. So there was an ending that just involved like going back, and there'd been the time jump. But then I think I had the idea to have like Stalin, which we'll get to in a minute, shoot Hilda, the mother, and then you have to get her healed. So then you have to go back to. Uh, the oracle who's now remy so the game ends up there and it's actually introduced you in context to shelly and remy in the future not just like in the end game after the credits and i think that worked so well having those characters of like the grand receiver and oracle being able to be replaced by your two friends that just so happen to fit into those molds so i'm glad you you mentioned that but well, yeah no, but, um, i think that was my i think that's probably my favorite part of probably the entire game apart from like all the mechanics and stuff that we uh, i think we did very well at, i think that the story of, uh, of how you're although like colette is the hero of the story um that's still you know, the other characters they're not just side characters they actually also had their own story progression and they ended they up arcs and stuff. yeah 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 it's like you wouldn't have been able to get to where you needed to go without yeah, them exactly so, yeah yeah um, so from from my perspective with this, I think it's just like similar to Butler, like the things that I had the most to do with. So <laughs> uh, Dan mentioned the section with Hob and the floating islands. And I think that I had said to Jared at some point, what if there's a dungeon that doesn't have a boss fight? I don't know if you guys had already planned a boss for that area at some point not necessarily i don't think no. yeah and so I, I think it was just like what if ripping off like indiana jones you have this tour guide that turns on you and then the place falls apart so the boss fight becomes like the escape which i think originally was a shmup section and maybe yeah. got yeah it was gonna be broomstick and then oh, we already had the broomstick in there and just wanted to make it different yeah yeah, so I, I, I found it really satisfying to see almost an entire dungeon that was built around at least the story that I had come up with for it. And then the Oracle, which is a character that wasn't in the original pitch for the game. There was a couple, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but the original pitch there was like Shelley, Remy, Colette, and their three mothers were all characters and I think I remember very early saying, like, we don't need to have their mothers. Like, it's it's too many people that aren't necessary. But um, I, I always had the idea, like, what if there's someone, you know, these witches have forgotten magic. What if there's someone that hasn't forgotten magic and they're a bit of an outcast? And originally, I just thought they might be a character that you could go to and they, like, upgrade, upgrade your potions or something like that. But it worked really well to have them at the conclusion of that third dungeon and for pacing i just felt like it would be a really cool moment to have that as the third dungeon where colette has 
done a bunch of crap already and now she's actually forced to reflect on the world that she's living in, the violence that exists and the it's the first kind of suggestion that maybe guns aren't like as amazing or worthy of the worship that the witches have have given them. And and having that culminate with that viewpoint that I've talked about a bunch on on Twitter and you guys you probably re- heard really me wanted about. that. Hey. <laughs> you really wanted that. I did. That. Yeah, I had so many conversations with Jared about like we need to have this pixel art. And because I I was like I was like Daniel will do it last because it's Yeah. <laughs> there was even talks about um like do we contract someone out to do some amazing like portrait cuz cuz it was obviously a perspective with a horizon that uh i don't think dan you would have done anything like that in reverie and the majority of, of the art you've done it's like it's looking down therefore you only see the ground so i, I didn't even know if it was something that you'd like be comfortable doing obviously you nailed it because it looks so great and there's like screenshots that people love to post of that setting but seeing that moment for the first time was like well like it actually worked and it actually had the effect that i wanted to of the player taking a pause from all the combat and reflecting a bit and being able to see the actual game world like almost the entire map from that one shot that really just gives you an overarching sense of what this world is like how big this world is yeah there's something about that uh just that spot in the game because you can revisit it at any time um and so coming back even in post game without the credits just standing there and looking there's something about it it feels like i'm there and looking out over the over the world and it's like it's always a it is a moment of just like serenity i guess is the word and it changes up somewhat and different i have like different parts of it that get disabled like the wall and like Uh the 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 shield around the the ruins and that kind of stuff and adding the sun at the end um which just kind of makes it evolve and change um which we kind of wanted for a lot of the Mm. game as well in terms of having characters actually progress that was one of the things people don't like about reverie is like characters not progressing as the story does um and one thing i will mention is that there was i guess talk for a while about do we even about the freedom of choosing the dungeons and at the beginning it was going to be gun factory mines ice prison any order but I think it is definitely the best choice where we ended up having it be the ice prison be the last one and have that whole yeah. culmination because it has its own little like section it feels way better to wrap it up there instead of having it be all open um, everyone ends at the same point for that midpoint of the game and the same with the top half as well it was it wasn't going to be any three in any order but we did want to have still choice of what your first dungeon would be in the north side rather than just like you're always going to go to the castle right? like you can go to the floating, yep. floating islands first yeah yeah and then i think having the game end there is such a nice note yeah. as well and because i knew like reverie had the credits over the ocean with the boat and that was a really nice moment in that game so that was yeah that was my plan my evil plan from the beginning <laughs> to impose my will and force dan to animate this thing that i think you said at some point i think i heard you say it was like one of the hardest shots you've had to to do is that right it definitely took a while um i think i i, I kind of enjoyed it to, to an extent i it was it's just mapping out the initial bits that's the mm-hmm. that is, that's the hardest you know the sky i had no issues with the clouds of you know the layered clouds i was pretty comfortable with that 
mm-hmm. but it's just actually like taking, I suppose, like the world map and then dividing the ground colors. And then you've got mm-hmm. the, the lava, you know, canyon running through it. And then you've got the rivers on the south side, a bit of the beach. I think it was just getting, yeah, getting kind of the right spots for for all of the different areas and so I, I mapped it out with ground colors and then i went back in with trees and then details after that um but yeah it, it, it was more challenging um but yeah I'm, I'm really happy with the way that one turned out i would say the perspective is like slightly warped probably but it does allow you to see essentially all of yeah. it like you go out and like you can because initially i thought it was kind of gonna just look towards mostly the north mm. side but then you ended up having the whole thing, which I think is better because you kind of get a whole view of everything. But like the houses and stuff are like turned and stuff, but it's because it just looks better <laughs> that way, you know? Very cool. All right. Uh, the twist in the game is something that a lot of people have commented on in reviews, in social media, in videos. It's uh, it's uh, something that no one, I think, sees coming. And Dan, that from what I gather and remember is uh your brainchild so what is it that drove you to insert real life dictator joseph stalin into our fantasy game (laughs) i think i think i just like surprising people um yeah i think i just yeah wanted to surprise people wanted something different like i don't think there's any um you know 2d pixel art zelda like that can make that sort of claim to fame so to speak um (laughs) and i think but but part of it is kind of broader in terms of like you need a hook you've got to have like hooks that people can see and then hooks that you leave as a surprise and one and the hook that people can see with trigger witch is it's that cute cuddly kind of fantasy witches but then you've got the the gore the blood and the gore and the firearms so that's like the hook that that's like the, the initial marketing hook but then you've got to like i guess it's yeah, there, there are some games which they they show all their cards, they show all their hooks, and then Definitely, yeah. you know you can often be left a bit unsatisfied when you eventually go to play it. It's like if you see, um, you know, maybe a movie trailer and you see all the best best bits, like a comedy, you've seen all the best jokes in the trailer. Like it's it's good to have like a trump card, a couple of you know a couple of hidden bits which people can then discover for themselves. So I think like the vast majority of people that bought Trigger Witch knew nothing about that whole ending segment and they bought it, you know, because they liked the look of the fit of the, um, you know, the trailer or the look of the gameplay, those initial hooks that we kind of like, you know, use to get you in. And that makes it so much more impactful for better or for worse. If you don't like it, um, is that you, you don't, that's not why you bought the game. There's no in marketing material anywhere. There's nothing to do with it. We didn't talk about it before release. Um, yeah it's it is good to have that surprise i i kind of hope this would happen but a lot of people do mention it in the review there's like so many where it is a part of the review that they say is like oh there's the big twist at the end and and it is cool to have that obviously it it can be kind of annoying to be like oh i know there's a twist coming but you you just have no idea what it's going to be if you're if you haven't played it before (laughs) there's a a lot of games coming out nowadays if you look at the the release schedule of the past you know of the week that we came out we had a lot of you know, we actually launched before AAA season, right? Like you've got all sorts of big budget games coming out, but even then yeah. there was heaps of indie games and you know, high quality indie games. And you just have to, you want to make something unique, but um, 
yeah, you just got to stand out and you want to be memorable. And I think ending with that segment, like you remember the last two hours yeah. of the game. I, I feel like in any game you play, you remember the last two hours. You're really strongly, um, maybe more stronger than, you know, say the first third or something like that. Um, and so I think it's cool to have that, you know, the game sticks out in your mind more, maybe compared to other games. Yeah, it's definitely got that factor of like people telling each other you have to see the ending, like you won't believe the twist and that kind of thing. So for people that like it, it's it's really good. There's been some people who don't like it and for some reason I don't really understand where they're coming from. Like maybe it pulls them out of the fantasy that there's a real life person in the game because I've even heard people say that it could have just been like a generic Russian bad guy and it would have been better. But I think that it's kind of you'd, boring you'd, yeah it's boring and you'd be like just do the full thing like just go all the way just you may as well joseph stalin make it work i remember seeing a review or something a comment somewhere where someone just said that the whole the whole like ending could have just been a generic fantasy whatever and it would have been better like not even mentioning like just not no mention of russia nothing just Straight up generic fantasy thing, and it would have been better. And I was like, "So boring." You are factually incorrect, my friend. Presents the doubt for sure. Yeah, I, I think it definitely helps. Even because, like, we had that. Well, Daniel had that initial idea. Like, let's just do witches and guns. And initially, at that point, there wasn't really like that very initial point. There wasn't the idea of having Stalin Russia and all this stuff. But then having that loop in you, you obviously Jonah you did that little text from like the scientist person yeah. where he's explaining some of the portal technology and then it all kind of wraps up but when someone starts the game I think like most people they just think oh it's a cool mashup there's no reason and then when there is a reason for some people I guess it's like a weird surprise but I think it's a cool wrapping up of like mm. everything fits together it's not random mm. kind of stuff it's like when you watch some movies um there's a, a you guys have probably seen the movie Donnie Darko and um yeah, I, I like that movie because um, I was watching the theatrical cut, so not like the extended director's cut, but just watching the standard version of the movie. I knew what the running time was, and I had to pause it about fifteen or twenty minutes before the end. I was watching it with a couple of with a couple of friends, and I think I yeah, you know, was gonna go get snacks or something like that. But we all like looked at each other, and we were like, "Do you have any idea where this movie's going and how it's gonna end?" And no, like, I like that in a way like you don't know mm. the journey that like you know that you're on a journey but you don't exactly know where you're going yet uh whereas i do only like that really when it's satisfying though it is annoying when you get the movie and you're like oh what's the mystery and you get to the end and they don't really explain it and it's kind of vague or it's just really weird and you're like that wasn't very satisfying yeah everything yeah, you gets explained deliver. in this game <laughs> you do have to deliver but um yeah i, I kind of like that i think if you just you know there's that part where you go into the ruins and you go through the portal and you end up sort of you know in like um in russia um you know with all like the the soldiers around with their ak-47s and i think if you just pause the game there and it's like right where are we going with this if you if, if someone who'd never who had never beaten the game yeah i think it, i think it keeps them guessing um, yeah so I, I like that i think that w when you hit there's kind of two twists the first twist is when you end up in russia and he's like comrades and you're like okay we're in russia okay <laughs> and there's like a hammer and sickle and the music's very poker russian whatever that, that style is called and uh you've got the exploding rats which are a real thing from history and the note from the scientist it starts to get explained but it's kind of like are they really gonna go there like that was what i was hoping people would be feeling like is it you know 
remembering that the man in black has a mustache as well. You're like, are they really going to go there? <laughs> yeah. And then they go Make there the and it's like, okay. And then the explanation for the reason that he invaded this world and kidnapped Hilda and building a space rocket, whatever it is, like... I was gonna, I was gonna say we we go there, but then yeah. we go even, even further. Like you're <laughs> all the way to the moon. Go to the moon. Go all the way to the moon. Right. It turns into an anime at a certain yeah. point, pretty much, or a Metal Gear Solid ending. Yeah. I I remember <laughs> which when I love. Daniel pitched the idea of Stalin. Um, it was very much just like we need to do something crazy. So what if we you got to fight Stalin like in the Kremlin or whatever, and then you got to like fight him like on a rocket, and then you just fight him on the moon, and it just keep going, and we're just like, what the hell is going on? We're we're getting assaulted right now. <laughs> I was like, we could probably yeah. do a three parter, yeah. <laughs> but it's gonna be the main part of the dungeon, which is why that dungeon's so much yeah. shorter. Is like we needed to put so much more effort into that boss, this triple boss fight, essentially. Yeah. I, I remember thinking at the time that I was like, I, I, okay, we'll go with it, but I can't see how this is gonna work mm. well, mainly because none of us had any idea how to write a good story. So I think the fact that we did bring you on helped a lot with that because it actually tied it together and it wasn't just like, lol, so random. Like, <laughs> it was actually like a concise yeah. <laughs> story that made sense, even though it was very out there. Yeah, I think if people are skipping through text and ignoring, for example, the note from the scientist, they're going to, they are just going to think, oh, they just went for shock value or for meme, yeah. the memes or whatever. But it makes sense. Like it, it makes sense why there are guns. It makes sense how the man in black came through the portal, and also why the time is so different as well between like why they've had the guns for so long, even though it's only been a short amount of time for him and all that. Yeah. And I think one thing which I guess not maybe not that many people even know. I don't even know if the rest of the team knows, but you put red heavens in as like a, a like a like a reference to red Russia stuff. There's a bunch of things in the game that are hints that you wouldn't pick up on like even this glory to ballisticism is a play on glory to communism and uh even some of the expressions and like there's a there's a miner who talks about like workers rights and all this stuff and i took all these like catchphrases from like communist propaganda and injected them into into his dialogue so that there are and you know i did also want the goblin symbols to be like russian but i guess it wouldn't make any sense as well because they would have had their own <laughs> alphabet <laughs> but um I, I like the idea that if this gun magazine comes through that oh, be- God, that creates ballisticism that. maybe there's other materials that have <laughs> that have filtered through over the years that have s- s- subtly influenced like people into being influenced by, by russia as well <laughs> Did we end up having the magazine? I was going to say, I, I don't know. Was the magazine in the, uh, the dialogue? It's in the, it it's in the Great was... Trigger, except it refers to it as a, a piece oh my of God, scripture. I cannot believe that made it in. Yeah, I remember yeah. that, that was how we brainstormed the idea of the whole, like, ballistic system was just like, maybe a magazine, like, Firearms 19, but, whatever the fuck, comes through the portal, and that's how they picked it up. And I was like, no, this is bullshit. It, does, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. specify that. It doesn't, like, specify the name of it or anything. It just says, like, Classic. text or something. Yeah. Yeah. It says like the it says about like the power of ballistics and that was yeah. what uh, what inspired it. But um, yeah, that's good. And I guess um, from there it's like the ending of the game. I wanted to know what you guys felt about like is is there a message and what is it to you? Because there's been people have commented on like the message on gun control, which is completely not what was intended. For me, it's <laughs> it's about like technology and culture and uh, 
remembering your traditions and, and keeping things in balance. And there's also like this nice little, well, to me at least, story about like colonialism and at least like I was talking to Colin about this on Sacred Symbols Plus, but the Australian perspective on like our history is very much like the white perspective. And that's how this game starts off. You're the witches and you've got a very witch centric perspective that slowly you learn more about the other side and how maybe you're the bad guy. Um, so I wanted to know yeah. what you guys thought about the ending with the message and just things that the themes that run through the, the game as well. I thought the ending was, was, um, quite satisfying because you know we go pretty far out there with the final boss fight you go off to the moon but then i think it's nice to like bring that back around and you kind of like remembered that you know it, it really like re-reminds you what you were doing this whole time um and you know what the actual world is i think like you know we don't end it there it sort of like brings it back down to earth so to speak um and I think, yeah, Literally. overall, the message of the game is just, like, your friendships are really important and um, your good ones last the test of time and um, your balance in all things and that it's just better if if people are just working together, um, you know, at, at the end of it all, I think. It's... Yeah, I think it's a lot more metaphorical than... Mm some people have taken it because yeah we don't we don't literally like think like people should have a religion around guns like just because a character in a game does something doesn't mean that we believe that's like what it should be um, especially being in new zealand and australian developed like yeah, where yeah. guns aren't yeah. a topic of conversation really in our everyday life so i can see why like in america it's got a different meaning to them what it does for us but yeah there's obviously yeah i think it's i think having it be like a metaphor for technology and and yeah culture stuff i think that's probably the best way to go about it and people can interpret it however they want but it's like i i I think it is i I didn't have any like specific idea about what what the the message would be like a singular message like go away and and this is exactly what we want you to think but um Mm -hmm. i i do think it ended up being quite good overall I like how it all ends and wraps up and in multiple ways, like Daniel was mentioning like the friendship stuff that, I mean, that was kind of, I don't know if that was, if it was planned to be a message either, but it's like, you know, you just have these friends that you through uh, your journey and you have troubles, obviously, like you have Remy, like be a boss at one point, but end up being <laughs> friends at the end and she ends up, you know, being the Oracle and it'll, it, like, you know, it's got lots of cool things yeah. to it. I think. Yeah. I think, um, the, when I get to the end of the, the story and it's like, your mom's like, kind of like on a dying breath but she's like but look at all this power that's in this room and it's just like no (laughs) these are what caused all the all this (laughs) this shit uh why don't we just you know leave it behind um maybe you know we've been we've been like praising and like living our lives revolving around these these guns for a long time maybe maybe we shouldn't have been doing that yeah, that was pretty bad. Did you see what you know? We made some friends over in the over in the Goblin Village over in Nutfar. They're not actually evil, like I've been told. Um, yeah, so yeah, just the whole theme of like power is not in your tools or weapons. That's based on your actions. Basically. It was the power of friendship the whole time. The power of friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, that's it. All right, well, that's uh, all the questions that I had. Did you guys want to talk about anything else while we're all here before we wrap things up? Yeah, I just wanted to um, 
yeah, just yeah, reiterate a few shout outs. Um, I think one, one mm-hmm. thing I didn't mention before was that my wife actually did the portrait art uh, for all the characters. Uh, so that's Ruth. She's in the credits, of course. Um, so I think maybe some people might have linked up the, the last names. <laughs> but yeah, just you know, really like to um, highlight her work and she worked really hard on um, you know, really getting, I guess, like a feel of, of the characters. Um, you know, and the emotions. Yeah, the emotions on a, on a on a bigger scale than I was doing with the sprites. Uh, I think she really did a great job. And they were they were iterated a couple times too. They had some like iterations and polish ups. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. a huge um, you know thank you and shout out to Finn Finn Mitchell Anyon who did the mm. soundtrack. It's a, a double CD soundtrack. You know something like ninety minutes. It's a banger. Ninety minutes of music, and I think it's an awesome soundtrack. And he did a really great job. Um, and you can you can check it out on Spotify, and it's out on Bandcamp. Um, but he really yeah, did. I think yeah. he did an awesome job. So big props to to yep. Hearing hearing the the music and the soundtrack uh, yeah. is it blows me away every single time. Like, yeah, that's crazy. And Jono's alright. Yeah. This whole episode has been giving props to Jono. So I, <laughs> I didn't feel the need to mention him. Yeah, we're, no. we're right here. We're talking with Chen. So. Do you have a favorite? Do we have a favorite track? Favorite track? Oh, Jim Mind Boss is pretty. Mine's good. the one that plays outside. Ice the, the prison, Mount, Mount not Frost, inside, yeah. but uh, the mountain yeah, the one. mountain one. That's, yep. that's my favorite yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty good one. There's a lot there of good lot. tracks. I cannot pick a favorite. They're all really good, and I can't remember what any of them match up to either. So, <laughs> I, I I think my favorite might be. Yeah. It was done. I think the last track, but the beach one. The beach one's I very good. Yeah. It's very different. It's like a surf rock thing, yeah. and it's it's very interesting. Some of them are very cool because they're inspired by. Um, I thought Daniel would like the floating islands oh, one. It's like a Chrono Trigger yeah. type vibe. We got like RuneScape vibes or like Monkey Island vibes yeah. for like the swamp yeah. and that kind of stuff. We got some really. I good love ones. the beach, yeah. the light beach one. It just gives me the Monkey Island big vibes. Crash big Bandicoot time. vibes. And, it's like Crash Bandicoot. Uh, like Crash, Crash Bandicoot yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's got the. And even though I've heard it like a million billion times from the trailer, but that uh, I guess is is it Plains or Everglades? No, no, no that's the, that's the Everglades track. The yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Even though I've heard it to death, that's like. I think that's the most epic game, like fantasy game one. And I've heard, heard people talk about like the Osrin Village track being like super Rainbow Moon vibes or Harvest Moon, sorry, I should say. Harvest Moon, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Rainbow Moon's and a, then there's, a game by East, you know, yeah. by East Asia Software, who also published us, which is a great game as well. And then like uh, I, I get extreme Final Fantasy vibes from the title screen and the Osrin music as well so it's yeah. those are the more traditional like rpg type tracks i exactly. guess yeah. yeah so whenever anyone like bad mouths <laughs> the music in a review i'm just like this person has no they idea straight up wrong actually. yeah <laughs> objectively <laughs> wrong yeah take about double my double album and going home <laughs> yeah yep okay last question uh if you could do anything and you you couldn't fail what would you do trigger oh, which is a classic <laughs> I, remember, I remember i remember being asked this in 2018 i can't remember what i answered shit yeah <laughs> i can't remember if i could do I anything <laughs> without failure what would it be oh you can keep it to games maybe let's keep it to games like what's the game that you say trade bitcoin at like leverage to... or <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily enjoy working on it, but I do think working on a massive scale AAA game and having something that's extremely polished in like all areas uh-huh. would be awesome, but also probably very stressful and would take a long time. Um, 
and not not failing isn't even like the part of it i guess this this is probably even possible if i ever work for triple a studio but it would be cool to work on something on that scale and just see how different it is because mm. obviously it's a completely different scale to what we're currently working on or even what my other job is it's like usually smaller teams um that would just be interesting especially if we're keeping it to games i don't know what else you can really say apart from working on different types of projects with different people yeah dan anything i'd like to do another sort of two to three year um rainbite game uh based on like an idea that we've already talked about i think that it's not it's not imminent it's not it's not coming it's not in development but yeah that would be um yeah that's something i really like to do one day it w- and uh if it would be different as well that, that, that idea yeah <laughs> that, that was gonna be my my answer was yeah work on the game that mm. that we came up with at the end of the our japanese our japan trip where a couple of us flew over to meet up with with daniel and then on the way back i think it was on the way back it was somewhere i remember writing up the you know, game idea mm. um such a, such a inspired by a movie that we watched over there <laughs> that's um, right yeah i was like shit this is the first like game idea that i've actually had that i've fleshed out uh just like in my spare time and i really want us to make this um so someday in the future i hope we will be able to reform and do it do it justice yeah, yeah. it's it would be inspired by porco rosa i don't think that's too smart just just we're gonna give people something that's fine so. yeah, yeah 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 it's it reminds me of a band you know like you you, you hear these they put out an album and they put out another album and then it's like they have side projects and they might like go separate ways and i feel like that's where you're at at the moment but they've they've they always seem to say like oh the band hasn't broken up we're just like on a hiatus or whatever and i feel like that's the vibe at least that i get from you guys that you'd you'd love to come back and do that next album that you've been talking about but it's just a matter of like when and if the the stars align spice girls reunion definitely if people buy the game enough individually the spice girls you know they're not they're not the same as when they're all together (laughs) (laughs) very cool all right well thanks for joining me guys uh where can people catch you on socials if if you want to be found uh well you can follow rainbite at rainbite on every platform uh twitter instagram and facebook um but you can also follow myself at butler stomp on twitter um i'm not on instagram anymore don't bother with that <laughs> Jared, don't find me on facebook either <laughs> yeah, please don't find me on facebook i only really use twitter mainly but yeah jared trail on, on twitter and daniel's just a cryptid you can't find him yeah, anywhere I'm, daniel Leary, if you want to contact me then you can just message the rainbite uh twitter page or you can email me at or the email uh, dan at rainbite.net just find him walking around new zealand <laughs> as he's known to do <laughs> yeah awesome uh if people enjoyed the podcast you can give us a rating and review in itunes or sorry apple podcasts Podchaser, or any other podcast platform that lets you do it if you want to really support what we're doing here at 8bit you can head over to our ko-fi page that's ko-fi.com slash we are 8bit a-t-e bit that's where you can chip in as little as one dollar a month to help what we're doing keep the emotional lights on and support all the, the great podcasts that are coming out of uh, of 8-bit. So the last thing to plug is Trigger Witch. If you've got this far without playing or buying the game, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, head out and pick it up. It's on Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation. You can't go wrong. And you can catch me on social medias at Jonah himself. And until next episode, 
keep putting in work. <laughs>